Thanks for tuning in today to our Wednesday broadcast of Abiding in the Word with Dave Love, Senior Pastor of Calvary Castle Rock. Today we will be continuing our study in the book of 2 Samuel. So let's join Pastor Dave now. Soon your trials will be over. 2 Samuel. Let's go to chapter 3 here as we embark on 2 Samuel again. Now, if you haven't been with us, I want to just give you a quick little recap. Um, Saul is now dead. The Amalekite brought the crown and bracelet to, from Saul's body to David. David writes a song of lament. We went over that last week. It's really a song of tribute. Uh, he writes it in the book of Jasher. Uh, the book of Jasher is a, is a book that records great exploits of godly men against Israel's enemies. We don't have that book this day. Uh, and so uh, it would be very exciting to find that book someday. And I'm, I'm praying that, Lord, I would love for you to reveal this book. It would just be a great book to be able to see all, all those great exploits of godly men against uh, Israel's enemies. And so David writes his poem, the song of tribute to Saul and Jonathan uh, in this book. And so David then inquires the Lord if he should leave Ziglag, and, and God tells him yes. And then he asks where, and he says Hebron. So he goes to Hebron, and it's here that Hebron is then met with the elders of Judah, and they anoint him, and they crown him king um, over them. And so it's here that we begin to see two prominent men emerge. One we've already known about, Abner, the other one, Joab. Uh, Abner, we've seen before, he's the commander of Saul's army. It was Abner who brought David to Saul after he killed Goliath. It was Abner that helped Saul chase David to try and kill him. But it was also Abner who David humiliated before Saul. You might recall that he snuck into the camp there and, um, and, and David took uh, his spear and the jug of water that was by his hands and then called out to him later and said, I could have killed him. And Abner, why didn't you protect your king? It was, so it was a very humiliating time for, for Abner to say the least. So Abner didn't have any love for David. Joab... Last week was the first that we even see of Joab. He is the commander of, of David's army at this point, but he's also David's nephew. We read that in uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 2 that David had a sister, Zeruiah, uh, and he had three sons. She had three sons, Joab, Abishai, and Azahel, and all three were mighty men in David's army. All three were David's nephew, and Joab is the one that rose to the ranks to where he was uh, the commander of the army. But all uh, the other two were also uh, David's mighty men as well. So, so now we see that Saul's dead. David's already has a commander of his army. So what does Abner do at this point? Abner goes and takes Saul's other son, Ishbosheth, and makes him king, and is now his commander of Ishbosheth's army, which was previously Saul's army. So Abner kind of does this out of job security, one would say, uh, because there is no opening for a commander of the army for David because Joab has that position. So for whatever reason, Ishbosheth does not fight alongside of Saul and his brothers uh, against the Philistines. And it, and it could be the fact that uh, Ishbosheth was not a warrior, that uh, maybe he was clumsy in battle or he just wasn't a soldier. Or just by his whole makeup, you could just tell this guy should not be in battle. He's going to die the first day out. Whatever it might be, might, might not could have, uh, he, maybe he couldn't handle the rigors of a soldier. We don't know. But we know this, Ishbosheth means man of shame, man of shame. First Chronicles 8.33 is called Eshbaal, man of the Lord. And it could refer to the fact that um, 
because he maybe reverted to Baal worship, that he now is called a man of shame. Uh, and so, so we, we think that m- that might be the case there, or it could be some other shameful thing that he did. We don't know. But we are told in 2 Samuel 2.8, But Abner, the son of Ner, commander of Saul's army, took Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, brought him over to Mahanaim, and he made him king over Gilead, then over the Asherites, over Jezreel, over Ephraim, over Benjamin, over all Israel. Ishbosheth, Saul's son, was 40 years old when he began to reign over Israel, and he reigned two years. Only the house of Judah followed David. So, if you jump over to 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 4, we read this. David was 30 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 40 years. In Hebron, where he is right now, it says he reigned over Judah seven years and six months, and in Jerusalem he reigned 33 years over all Israel and Judah. So when David was anointed here in Judah to rule over the tribe of Judah, he did that just over the tribe of Judah for seven years, six months. But Ishbosheth, it says, ruled Israel, the rest of the tribes, for two years. Well, if David is ruling for seven years, six months, and Ishbosheth is only ruling for two years and whatever, it, it's kind of like it doesn't seem to be adding up of who else was ruling over Israel at that time. And so what this seems to suggest as you go over in 2 Samuel 2.9 is that it says that Abner made him king over Gilead, over the Asherites, Jezreel, over Ephraim, Benjamin, and then all over Israel. So what that tells us is that the very first five years that Ishbosheth was just a king over Gilead, and then the Asherites, then you know Ephraim, then Benjamin. So it seems to have taken five years for Abner to convince all the rest of the tribes to let Ishbosheth rule over them. So they were only a unit for about two years. The other eleven tribes came under Ishbosheth for two years. So that's why he could say, and that he reigned over Israel for two years because that's the only time that they were all unified under his rulership. Before that, Abner was trying to get one tribe after another to come under the kingship of Ibosheth. So, knowing that, we also read last week that there was a skirmish between the men of Joab as well as the men of Abner. They were just coming together for a little gladiator fight. It wasn't supposed to be a fight to the death, but things got out of hand. And so... um, uh, so this skirmish began, this war, this quick little war began between Joab and his men and Abner and his men. And uh, Abner, um, or Joab's uh, uh, brother, Asahel, kept pursuing Abner as Abner and his men were fleeing. And even after Abner pleaded with him to turn back, Abner did not want to have to kill Asahel. He didn't want to have to kill um, Joab's brother, uh, David's nephew. He didn't want any sort of personal feelings to be involved here in a blood feud to take place. But Asahel uh, attacked Abner anyway, and he was struck down. And Abner killed him very much in self-defense. And so what we're going to see here tonight is that Joab never forgot that. Abishad didn't forget that either. And so they've been looking for a opportunity to exact revenge on Abner. So that's all to start chapter 3 here. Okay, just a quick little recap for anybody who's new here or weren't here last week, like like John. That's here you go, right? Yeah. So 
So again, verse 1, it says here in, in 2 Samuel 3, Now there was a long war between the house of Saul and the house of David. But David grew stronger and stronger, and the house of Saul grew weaker and weaker. So apparently there were more skirmishes between David's army and Joab and uh, Ishbosheth's army and, and Abner. Uh, but it seems that David was getting the upper hand in all these skirmishes, and so he grows in strength, most likely winning these battles, also began to hinder uh, the reign of Ishbosheth. Because, I mean, if you keep going out to battle with David and you keep losing, <laughs> it, it shakes the confidence of the rest of the tribes of, uh, that, you're, that you're over. And so uh, they're probably no longer confident in Ishbosheth as ruling as their king. So verse 2, it says, Sons were born to David in Hebron. His firstborn was Amnon, and by Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess. His second son was Cheliab, by Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite. The third, Absalom, by the son of Makkah, the daughter of Talmai, the king of Geshur. And the fourth, Adonijah, the son of Haggith, the fifth. And Sheptiah, the son of Abital. And so the sixth, Ethriam, by David's wife, Eglah. These were born to David in Hebron. Now, what we've seen here is that the Lord is building David's house. Up to this point, we have learned of three of David's wives, Michael, the daughter of Saul, which David won in taking 404 skins of the Philistines, Ahinoam of Jezreel, and Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the scoundrel who died. A total that we see here is six wives, and yet that doesn't include Michael. Now, David's going to have more wives than this. David's going to have more sons than this. David's going to have more daughters than is mentioned here. Okay? But what I want us to be able to see something here is that we see kind of at the beginning here, we go, wow, this is a blessing. We know that children are a blessing from the Lord. That's what the Bible says. And so I believe that. So these blessings are coming upon, the Lord, uh, coming upon David, and I, I agree with that. But I would say this, sometimes God blesses and it looks like he's actually condoning behavior that he's not condoning, okay? And we know from Deuteronomy 17, verse 14, when Moses is about to come into the land through Joshua, it says, when you come into the land which the Lord your God has given you and possess it and dwell in it and say, so God speaking through Moses is prophesying this, that there's going to come a time you're going to say this. I will set a king over me like all the nations that are around me. There's going to come a time when Israel is going to go in the land, dwell in the land, and they're going to say, you know what? We want to be like the other nations, and we also want a king. And that's exactly true. We saw that in 1 Samuel. And he says, you shall surely set a king over you, whom the Lord your God chooses, one from among your brethren. You shall set a king over you. You may not set a foreigner over you. Who is not your brother, but he shall not multiply horses for himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt to multiply horses. For the Lord has said to you, you shall not return that way again. Neither shall he multiply wives for himself, lest his heart turn away, nor shall he greatly multiply silver and gold for himself. So, polygamy is not for anyone, but particularly not for kings. That is what God's word says. That is what God was telling Moses, that when this king comes, let him know, no multiplicity of wives. And yet David is doing that. Six wives at this point. This is, this is stupid in many different ways. But the one that just 
kind of screams at me as a dude, six wives, six sets of in-laws. What? What? Really? There has never been, as you go through God's word from Genesis to Revelation, there's never been a positive portrayal of any polygamous relationship in the Bible, ever. Never, never, never. You'll never find the family members of any polygamous relationship in the Bible living harmoniously as a family unit. You won't. Does God use that to further his glory? Sure, he could do anything. He can, tell, he can take what Satan means for evil for what? For good. This is what God can do. He can do those things. So even in the midst of this polygamous relationship, yes, he can turn around and bless. I don't care what the TV show Sister Wife says. In the short or the long of it, it will never turn out good. It will never turn out good. And so God's word makes it very clear from the very beginning. He created them male and female. And they are, the two are to come together and cleave and be as one. The only one you, way you can have oneness is when you marry someone of the other gender. That's the only way you can have oneness. And I would submit to you that David never had oneness with any of his wives. Because you can't. Because you have wives. And he missed out on what it really takes to be one with someone. Polygamy was forbidden to Israel's kings, and the history of David's family is going to illustrate the evils of this polygamous relationship within the royal house. We're going to just see one problem after another. Okay? Um, two sons are quickly mentioned here. Amnon and Absalom are soon going to illustrate this point as we continue on. Um, and we're going to be able to see that um, with all these wives, there would be uh, many firstborn sons who could contend for the throne. This in itself is creating a future problem of kingship. Now, in copying the ways of the world, David most likely married some for political gain. David's wives, Abigail, came from the tribe of Judah, thus most likely helped in consolidating power from the tribe of Judah. Makah, the daughter of Telmai, the king of Geshur, is in the region of Syria, which is north of Israel. Interesting, that matchup, because it's kind of like David in the south, north of him is Israel, but the north of Israel is Syria, and so he's kind of making an alliance with somebody on the other side of Israel, almost like he's surrounding them, like he's surrounding them. Some believe that um, David's lust eventually led to many family problems, that's to say the least. Amnon violates his half-sister Tamar. Absalom rebels against David, tries to capture the crown. Uh, Adonijah tries to wrest the kingdom from Solomon. And so we're going to see all these issues come up. That's just tip of the iceberg. There's plenty. So here in 2 Samuel 3, verse 6, it says, Now it was so, while there was war between the house of Saul and the house of David, that Abner was strengthening his hold on the house of Saul. And Saul had a concubine whose name was Rizpah, the daughter of Ai. So Ishbosheth said to Abner, why have you gone into my father's concubine? Now I read different takes on this that he, it doesn't necessarily say that he did, but then in order to strengthen his hold on the house of Saul, that is exactly what you would do. Show how much stronger you are than the person who is above you. 
Then Abner became very angry at the words of Ishbosheth and said, Am I a dog's head that belongs to Judah? Today I show loyalty to the house of Saul, your father, to his brothers, to his friends. And have I not delivered you into the hand of David? And you charge me today with a fault concerning this woman? You charge me with a fault concerning this woman, saying that I'm at fault being with this woman, one of the concubines of Saul. Yes, that's a big sin. That's a big fault. Yes, but because of all that I've done for you and being that I am really the power broker behind this, this should be insignificant in your eyes. And because you're bringing your attention to it, that offends me. And it's like, wow, wow. See, the wives and concubines of a king were considered the property of a successor. They're part of the king's household and part of the king's inheritance. Pass into the care by way of the bed or just as a successor to take care of them. Furthermore, the king of Israel was seen as the husband of his people. So the wives and the concubines also were symbolic of the people or the bride of the king. If the king could not protect his household, how could he protect his kingdom? This is why Absalom slept with David's concubines, by the way, when he took over the kingdom. The message was if David could not protect the women of his own house, surely he had no power in the land. And so because he's trying to strengthen his hold on the house of Saul, Abner would go into one of Saul's concubines that was given over for protection to Ishbosheth to be able to take care of. And so he is. He's strengthening his hold on the house of Saul. I personally am one who believes that Abner was thinking more of, of a takeover at this point over time just to strengthen himself and said, who's really the, uh, uh, you know, the protector of Israel here? Is it me or is it Ishbosheth? But then one could also make the claim, well, every time you go out to battle with David, you lose. So, trying to strengthen on one end, but then reality of the other, and then having this accusation by Ishbosheth where he thought it was no big deal, but Ishbosheth says, no, I know what this means. And then it says in verse 9, May God do so to Abner more also if I do not do for David as the Lord has sworn to, him, sworn to him to transfer the kingdom from the house of Saul and set up the throne of David over Israel, over Judah, from Dan to Beersheba. And he could not answer Abner another word because he feared him. One's a warrior. The other one is not. So Abner's offended. Uh, now he's determined to transfer all the weight of his influence to David and give the whole kingdom over to him. And then in verse 12, then Abner sent messengers on his behalf to David, saying, Whose is the land? Saying also, Make your covenant with me, and indeed my hand shall be with you to bring all Israel to you. Now, no doubt David um, uh, jumps at this chance. He accepts this offer because now he could bring the whole kingdom together, what? Peaceably. Someone's going to come over. The whole army's going to come over. If everyone's going to come over, there's not a fight to be fought. He says, Absolutely. That would be a great thing to do. And David said, good, I will make a covenant with you. But one thing I require of you, you shall not see my face unless you first bring Michael, Saul's daughter, when you come to see me. So come to see my face. So David sent messengers to Ishbosheth, Saul's son, saying, give me my wife Michael, whom I betrothed myself for a hundred foreskins of the Philistines. And Ishbosheth sent and took her for her husband from Paltiel, the son of Laish. Then her husband went along with her to Baharim, weeping behind her. So Abner said to him, go return, and he returned. So 
David's going to test Abner's ability to really be able to do that. And he tests him by saying, okay, if you can really do this for me, then you should be able to persuade Ishbosheth to be able to give me my wife, Michael. And so as he then sends messengers to Ishbosheth saying, I want my wife, Michael, the one who I gave 400 foreskins of the Philistines, why does he have to add that? Because I personally believe he's, he's kind of boasting a little bit of just saying, you know what kind of a warrior I am? You know how I got her? Is that I killed 400 Philistines and I gave them to your father. And Ishbosheth's never done a day of battle in his life. And he's saying that to kind of intimidate him. And he wants to make sure if he can, you know, make good on this. Most likely, Ishbosheth saw his kingdom getting weaker and weaker. And David has now posed a, uh, um, has asked of him to do something. He's going to do it because he sees his kingdom getting weaker and weaker. And he does not want to get into a fight with David. Verse 17, now Abner had communicated with the elders of Israel, saying, in times past you were seeking for David to be king over you. Now then do it, for the Lord has spoken of David, saying, by the hand of my servant David I will save my people Israel from the hand of the Philistines and the hand of all their enemies. It seems to me that Abner was going to these tribes, persuading them to remain with the house of Saul and to support Ishbosheth. But he says here, in times past you were seeking for David to be king over you. Is it possible that the, some of those tribes were seeking David to be king over them at that time? Now, I do believe it's speaking even further back where Saul had killed his thousands and David has killed his ten thousands and he was very popular with all the people and, and no doubt some of the tribes were, were hoping one day that David, I, I get that, I do believe that's part of it. But I also believe that there's probably some communication that Abner gave that swayed them and now he's saying, remember how we've talked? Why don't we go now? Now's the time to go. Now's the time to go. Um, in times past, you were seeking for David to be king over you. Now then, do it. So it says in verse 19, And Abner also spoke in the hearing of Benjamin. This is also very important, because where did Saul come from? The house of Benjamin. Then Abner also went to speak in the hearing of David in Hebron, all that seemed good to Israel, and the whole house of Benjamin was there as well. Now, Benjamin has probably come over because Michael, the daughter of Saul, is now back with David. Marriages sometimes or most times would unite what? Tribes. So being that she is from Saul, from Benjamin, now is reunited with David, the tribe of Benjamin now feels a little bit more um, one with Judah because of that marriage. And so they're here at Hebron to hear all that it is that Abner is going to speak as well as there with David. And so we continue on here and it says in verse 20, So Abner and 20 men with him came to David at Hebron. And David made a feast for Abner and the men were with him. Then Abner said to David, I will arise and go and gather all Israel to my lord the king, that they may make covenant with you and that you may reign over all your heart's desires. So David sent Abner away and he went in peace. So what is it that Abner is going to do? He's going to set up another meeting and all the elders now of the different tribes will show up. Probably there in Hebron, much like Benjamin and David did with Abner. And they will feign their loyalty to the king and make a covenant with him so he could reign over all of Israel. Never can.
That's all we have time for today on this Wednesday edition of Abiding in the Word with Pastor Dave Love. Tune in tomorrow as we continue our study in the book of 2 Samuel. If you live in the area of Castle Rock and are looking for a church to call home, be sure to come by and visit with us. We meet Saturdays at 5 p.m. and our Sunday service times are at 9 and 11 a.m. A combined junior and senior high class meets at 5 p.m. on Saturday evenings. On Sunday mornings, high school meets during the 9 a.m. service and the junior high meets at the 11 a.m. service. Our Young Adults Ministry, Arise, meets every Friday at 6.30 p.m. at Calvary Castle Rock. Child care is offered for all of our weekend services. Calvary Castle Rock is located right off of I-25 and East Wolfensburger Road, directly behind Jack in the Box and the Shell Gas Station. For more information about us or this radio ministry, please visit our website at calvarycr.com or download our free mobile app from the Apple App Store or Google Play. You can also call the church office at 303-663-2514. Thank you again for joining us today. Until our next time together, we want to encourage you to always be abiding in the Word of God. Music